Happy Monday and welcome to Not Boring. We're back with the audio edition of the Monday Not Boring essay. I apologize for missing a few of these. I've been writing just right down to the wire and haven't had the opportunity to record some of the recent longer pieces, but we are back and I will do my best to try to keep reading these uh, going forward. So as sometimes happens over the weekend, I got walloped with a case of writer's block. I couldn't figure out a topic. Normally, I'll head into the weekend with at least some rough idea of what I want to write about, but this weekend, blankness. I stared at the computer screen, I turned to Twitter, I looked at the whiteboard on which I write potential future ideas, and I got bored by all of them. I started writing a piece on the bear and the hard work war, and then I stopped 1,266 words in. What's in the news right now that would make a compelling piece? Twitter? I've written about it enough, and Matt Levine is doing Hall of Fame work there. The Fed? That's been covered by much smarter people. No one knows what's going to happen. And Arthur Hayes wrote an incredible piece, which I linked in the post at notboring.co. Sometimes you just don't have it. Realizing that this was one of those times was freeing. Instead of trying to do a deep dive or a bunch of analysis, I decided to let my imagination run wild and keep it brief. It's summer. Things are slow. Let's have a little fun. Speaking of fun, here's a word from today's sponsor, Athletic Greens. Last week on Twitter, I shared a picture of something that I've been drinking every morning to start my day. It's a mix of Athletic Greens AG1, raw almond butter from Trader Joe's, and some olive oil. Now, it might not sound like a great combination, but one, it tastes a lot better than it sounds or looks, and two, it's rocket fuel to start my day. AG1 in particular is foundational nutrition you can count on. If you listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast, he's been talking about it for years as the thing that he keeps with him to make sure that even if he's traveling and can't eat what he normally eats, he gets all of the nutrients that he needs. AG1 fills nutrient gaps, promotes gut health, and supports whole body vitality. One daily serving delivers a comprehensive blend of nine products, a multivitamin, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, and more, all working together to deliver your strongest foundation for better health. I actually first started taking AG1 every morning after Dan got it for me as my Christmas present. I told him that I was feeling a little bit low energy and that I wanted to focus on my health for my New Year's resolution. Pretty cliche, but he recommended AG1, which he's been taking for years. I've been taking it ever since, and I actually liked it so much that when the company recently raised around, we invested in it out of not boring capital. Now, I'm not a fitness guru. I'm no Tim Ferriss. But I will say that AG1 does help me have the productive days that I need to be able to write thousands and thousands of words while also running Not Boring Capital. And I'd recommend giving it a shot. You can try it for yourself at athleticgreens.com slash not boring. And when you use that link, you'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs of AG1. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash not boring. Now let's get to it intertwining threads. One of the things that makes the future so hard to predict is that new technologies don't operate in silos. They're intertwining threads that weave together in unpredictable ways. Uber is a canonical weave. For anyone to be able to dial up a ride from their pocket, GPS, smartphones, payments, and online rating systems needed to combine in ways that their respective inventors couldn't have predicted. There's a conversation that I link in the post at notboring.co between Patrick O'Shaughnessy and Kenneth Stanley which is rich with examples of discrete innovations combining in ways that couldn't be planned, like the invention of the vacuum tube unintentionally leading to the computer. As the individual technological threads each get wilder and more powerful than they were in previous generations, replace vacuum tubes with AI as an input, for example, 
I suspect that the remixed outputs will be even harder to predict. Even in sci-fi, where the job is to imagine fictional futures by extrapolating technological progress, most of the technology is fairly linear extrapolation, fusion-powered spaceships, AI robots, terraforming. I think we'll have all of that at some point, but I also think we'll have all sorts of crazy combinations that are harder to predict, and then we'll have crazier combinations of those crazy combinations. To show you what I mean, we'll walk through some simple examples with the caveat that these are just some of the ones that I can dream up. The crowd will create things that make these look quaint. And I do recommend going over and reading this at notboring.co because there's a bunch of Dolly-generated images that I think add some richness and context to the piece. But anyway, over the weekend, I came across a thread on Twitter that combined OpenAI's Dolly 2 and GPT-3. When I first saw OpenAI's Dolly 2 in the wild a few months ago, the first thing I thought was, whoa. The second thing I thought was, it's going to be really wild when this gets combined with other technology. I started jotting down notes for an essay on combining technologies, and then I abandoned it for a couple months until I saw Nicholas Tachek's tweet. Nicholas' experiment was one that I've wanted around myself. Ask GPT-3 to write prompts for Dolly 2. Ask the AI to ask the other AI to create something. Using outputs from one open AI system as an input for another is an on-the-nose example of composability. Combining one Lego block with another, even manually, to create something new. It's not hard to imagine that someone will automate this so that I can type in a random idea, GPT-3 creates a bunch of Dolly 2 prompts from it, and Dolly 2 spins up images based on those prompts. I've jokingly tweeted before that in the future, creativity will be judged by who can create the best prompts. But this is just the first and most obvious step. Presumably, the models will continue to get better and better and be able to do more things. Ben Thompson wrote an excellent piece on this idea called Dolly, the Metaverse, and Zero Marginal Content. Dolly 13 might be able to create short films from scripts generated by GPT-11, like a coming-of-age movie set in the year 2200 on Mars in the style of John Hughes. I'm sure that there are all sorts of things that make this many orders of magnitude harder than creating static images, which itself is very hard, and I'm equally sure that at some point it will be a reality. I'll probably create and watch some of those short films myself. Dev certainly will, and his kids will find them terribly old-fashioned. Zoom forward a little further. Imagine combining Dolly 22, GPT-19, and Snap Spectacles 15. Then remember that Snap recently acquired brain-computer interface startup Nextmind. Dev's kids will be thinking things like space battle jungle, they won't know what a video game is, and will pop into full-blown, freshly created AR-VR games of their imagination. Dev will be lucky to have something to keep his kids entertained. The flight to his family's lunar vacation will be shorter than the current three days it takes to get to the moon, but parents will always do whatever it takes to keep their kids from screaming on flights. Pull on just a few of many of the open tech threads, and you land in a world in which anyone can create their own entertainment instead of just passively consuming it at the speed of thought. It will make TikTok look slow and archaic for better and worse. But that's just one pair of threads. The world won't, I hope, look like the Dolly version of that scene in Wally, -E where the humans are just sitting in the chairs, zooming around, watching entertainment while robots take care of their every need. As Matt Ball pointed out on Derek Thompson's Plain English, the time devs kids spend in the metaverse will hopefully replace the three to five hours per day of lean back TV consumption with something more engaging and creative. But I want my grandkids to spend more time outside in nature too. A different and eventually intersecting track is one proposed by Not Boring's own Elliot Hirschberg yesterday in Veriditas. Laying out his personal mission, quote, I want life to flourish in the universe. I view biotechnology as the most logical means towards this end. Elliot makes the case for more biological growth. He writes, 
growing trees, the living systems that pull CO2 out of the atmosphere while turning sunlight and water into beautiful three-dimensional structures that carpet large portions of our planet, growing food using the awesome power of microbes in a way that could sustainably feed the entire planet, growing our medicines, advanced nucleic acid, cell-based and microbial therapies that enable us to live healthier and longer lives, and growing materials to build advanced cities with abundant housing. Instead of escaping into virtual worlds, at some point, we'll be able to grow new ones. Imagine Dev's kids dreaming up the ideal treehouse and then growing it in their backyard. Now, it could take a century or more to get there. We wanted flying cars, instead we got 140 characters. Obviously, a lot needs to happen between now and then. We need to figure out how to code cells to manufacture human-scale biological structures. Then, how to make those capabilities so widespread that anyone can use them, while also making sure that they don't have the ability to grow biological weapons in an equally easy fashion. Then, how to use AI and ML to create grow-ready plans for biological buildings in a way that adapts to each specific backyard's terrain and environment. Then, how to hook that up to some brain-machine interface that lets kids think treehouse and grow a treehouse, all while ensuring that no one gets hurt in the growing process and that they don't break any zoning laws. And I'm sure I skipped a lot of steps and messed a lot of steps up too, but the threads are there. Elliot wrote about Ginkgo's version of making biology programmable. CRISPR is a programmable biological system for editing DNA. These technologies are already in the wild. As biology becomes programmable, it stands to reason that at some point, it will interact with the new suite of AI programming tools. GitHub Copilot, which uses the OpenAI Codex, can assist developers in writing, quote, code and entire functions in real time. In April, Replit created an AI ML team, which is building tools to help people learn how to code and then assist by finding errors in the code as they write it. CEO Amjad Massad tweeted, the crazy big idea here is that we think this could be a start of a general purpose learning environment, a human machine symbiosis that transcends mere coding. AI assisted cell programming to grow treehouses is something that sounds impossibly wild, but could very well become a reality as threads weave together. Even if it takes 500 years to achieve full-blown artificial general intelligence, even if it's never possible, narrow AI is already becoming an interactive intellectual amplifier. As more things can be expressed via code and AI gets better at writing code, the amplifier's reach will expand. The limiting factor will be our imagination. New technologies, of course, will create new challenges. There's the challenge of who owns the technology. Google owns the leading AI lab DeepMind, Microsoft invested a billion dollars in OpenAI and owns GitHub. When GitHub announced that it would charge $10 a month for Copilot, it stirred backlash among developers who were upset that the company trained the model on their open source code and then turned around and charged them to use it. While this won't be a satisfactory use case to some Web3 skeptics, I think that this is an interesting place to weave in the Web3 thread. As transaction costs come down to the sub-penny level, I'd imagine that people will be able to own their data, opt into contributing it to models, and then receive rewards when those models are used. Already, GitHub gives free Copilot access to maintainers of popular open source projects, and it's not hard to imagine a future in which those developers get paid more than $10 a month for their work. More broadly, as more of our data is used to train AI models of all sorts, owning, permissioning, and getting paid for the use of that data will become more important. And as our grandkids create more content, I expect they'll be backed by some future version of NFTs that prove creatorship and even pay out the people whose data went into feeding the models that help generate the content. As they spend more time in realistic virtual worlds, tools that give digital items physical properties will become more useful. All of this, AI, space travel, biotech, Web3, immersive virtual worlds, and all the other threads that we haven't touched on are going to require a lot of energy. 
Getting to the point where any of this is possible, let alone possible in a world that's not a dystopia with radical inequality, is going to require cheap, abundant energy. Eli Dorado and Austin Vernon's Energy Superabundance, How Cheap, Abundant Energy Will Shape Our Future, pulls at more threads like suborbital point-to-point travel, hyperloop, vertical farming, desalination, and new cities that cheap, abundant energy makes possible. Each of them intertwines with other threads, like growing buildings for these new cities or living and working anywhere thanks to Hyperloop and vertical takeoff and landing taxis. And of course, each of them will come with their own problems, red tape to cut through and unintended consequences. For some, the risks will outweigh the rewards. The future won't be perfect. It will be wild. We could play this game for hours, mix one cutting edge or futuristic technology with another and see what pops out. But I told you I'd keep it short, and I'm more curious to hear what you come up with. Drop your examples in the comments at notboring.co or on Twitter. Ultimately, all of this is why I try to keep an open mind and even a sense of wonder towards any new technology solving hard problems. Each individual thread has the potential to do something predictably powerful on its own, ranging from fun to life-saving, but their combinations will be indistinguishable from magic. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening, and we will be back on Thursday. Have a great week.